Expect the first ghost when the bell tolls one! I'm the Doctor. I'm a time lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey, the constellation of Casterberus. I'm 903 years old, and I'm the man that's going to save your lives and all six billion people on the planet below. Welcome back to this series of very special Pop Goes the Tam Tam Advent episodes. It's hard to believe, but we're on episode three already. The fire is still a raging and on my lap is the Advent calendar. The very special Pop Goes the Tam Tam Advent calendar. As I open door number three... Here are some clues. A bride, a spider, and some psychotic Father Christmases. What's the plural of Father Christmas? Father Christmas? Unsure. That's correct. We're going to be discussing the 10th Doctor Christmas special, The Runaway Bride. I shall descend upon this earth. You shouldn't even exist. Why you I'm joined by a very special guest to discuss this episode. Announce yourself, special guest. Hello, darling. It's me, Mama. That's right. Tamsin's mum is back. <laughs> you also have a name, don't you? Tamsin's mum. No, you have an actual name. Oh, that that's... wasn't the name you were born with. <laughs> I christened this child Tamsin's mum. <laughs> sure then (laughs) so let's jump in let's jump into this episode first of all we watched it together again because you're joining me in person which is lovely Mm. firstly the first thing I want to say is I don't care who you are I'm not coming to your wedding Christmas Eve me neither it's just not gonna happen you know I'm not even sure you're allowed to have a wedding on Christmas Eve yeah you're allowed to have a wedding on Christmas Eve well, I was thinking, like, how many... What about carols and Christingle and all that sort of thing? Well, I don't know what Chris... Midnight Mass. Who Christingle is. Okay. Well, let's just say, what about Midnight Mass and all that? Yeah, but I would you imagine... You can't do a wedding. She, she, he, she, he, he or she, whoever the vicar is, can't do a wedding and then go and do all the things you Registry to office? Well, they're not going to be with on Christmas Eve, You they? could book it out. There's a difference between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. I think you could theoretically get a wedding at Christmas Eve. Google it. I'll Google it after the episode. (laughs) But what I wanted to say is I've never been to a winter, a really winter wedding. I've been to a reception in January, but the majority of the weddings I've been to are like spring and summer. Now, I should caveat, we live in the UK, so for our 
Antipodean listeners, obviously it's spring and summer in like April, May, June, July when you guys are freezing. So what about you? No, mostly, well, summer really. And you've had weddings? Yeah. No, I got married in uh, spring and summer. Yeah. An unusual choice, but an interesting one nonetheless. I guess they just, it was just part of the plot wasn't it It had to be christmasy well i would also mm, yeah i would also say that considering they went ahead with the reception without her the fact that they all turned up for that wedding it's given me mixed messages it's given me a one one hand i've got no commitment or feeling towards you the other hand i'm ride or die (laughs) it's a bit confusing so it is what who are you where am i what For this episode, we meet the legendary Donna Noble for the first time. And we meet her on what is supposed to be the best day of her life, but what I think turns out to be the weirdest day of her life to this point. It's going to get weirder for Donna. It is going to get weirder for Donna. But shall we just spend a little bit of time actually talking about Donna Noble because I think this is such an unusual and interesting introduction yeah I I think what I took away from it which I in retrospect you 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 can is that everything about Donna is there in that episode from the beginning she's Donna you know she's loud she's confused she's just Donna isn't she yeah she was written so well I think yeah, she's in, fully in the, formed. She's fully formed. Donna doesn't change at any point in the future. Well, she does and she doesn't. She does with growth. Yeah. But as a personality, as a character, as Donna Noble, it's all there in that one episode. I completely agree. Donna is my favourite New Who companion. Ace is my favourite companion of all time. So Donna's like my second favourite companion. She's that was a, a long way round of saying she's my second favourite companion. She's a, a fabulous character. I think... What's really refreshing about Donna is that she's got some miles on the clock. She's older than a lot of the other companions that we have gotten to know during the New Who run. I mean, until I would say you got Graham and you had Dan, we didn't really have anyone who had some life experience before they travel with the doctor and yesterday so obviously we're recording this in advance so yesterday was the children in need special and we found out that minnie gibson's going to be playing ruby sunday she's 18 years old so again we're we're going younger but donna was a really refreshing yeah Definitely. Because she she was an adult woman who had adult woman problems. Yeah, I think most women can empathise and understand some of Donna's disappointment and frustrations because we've all hit that at one time or another. And I think that is that is nice to see that, a, a, a human being, a woman, with all the problems that crop up. I agree, yeah. And also, she's in a different place in her life, the things that she wants are different to the things that Rose wanted or Martha Jones wanted or Clara wanted. They're different. Mm. You know, her priorities are more, I would say, more in line with when we met Amy Pond 
although Amy was essentially running away from that because she wasn't ready, Donna's the other way. She's running towards it, but it's not happening no. for her. So I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, she, and she's sort of a bit ground down, isn't she? She is, she is. Because I think the thing that, I think you really touched on it really well, is everything that will be Donna is in this episode and what really comes out the most is the fact that she gives it a lot of mouth but she doesn't have anything behind it she's very insecure she is and later we realize why she's so insecure but and it's interesting in this episode the reason why she's such a great companion the reason why she is the best companion for the david Tennant tenth doctor in my opinion is because for the first time you see from the minute they're together their chemistry is incredible incredible they add something to each other that we have not seen that often which is she makes him fun he has fun with her when they're on the motorized segways and they're laughing at how ridiculous it is they're having fun yeah and the other way around he encourages her to be more than she is but not in a way that is belittling no no it's lovely to see also i think that she is compassionate and quite realistic in in her outlook and and how she she says at the end of the episode you terrify me because she sees in him all these things you know that there's that bit when he's getting rid of the arachnos and she says you can stop now yeah and she sees this this person is so powerful and so terrifying you know i i he 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 should stop this now because he is so powerful and so terrifying he should now stop but he doesn't yeah i agree and she, it's nice to see like you say an older lady an older woman well let's put her correctly she's probably in her mid 30s mm. So she she is a well she's not as young as as yeah. Rose yeah I I like the fact that she showed compassion and I like the fact that she was brave and I like the fact that from the word go she was quite outspoken. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. Oh, basic atmospheric excitation. Merry Christmas. And you. So, what will you do with yourself now? Not getting married, for starters. And I'm not going to temp anymore. I don't know. Travel. See a bit more of planet Earth. Walk in the dust. Just go out there and do something. Let's turn next to actually talking about what the story was about because a lot of these Christmas specials there's a lot of stuff going on but the actual plot of the story is not that dense i think this one had a good plot i thought it had a better plot than i was initially expecting and it had that mystery of like why what is going on how has donna ended up in the tardis and why are those father christmases trying to kill her or take her somewhere although it's quite thin it's more of a tenuous yeah, I mean, some of it's a bit tenuous, like she's being doped up with those particles and stuff. Oh, I didn't think that was I so bad. That. The reason why I didn't think it was so bad was because it 
kind of makes you feel that stuff goes on even when the doctor's not here. Oh, yeah. And how many things have gone on when the doctor wasn't around? And this could have just been, yeah, yeah, another one of those events where Donna Noble just disappeared. Mm. So in that way, there's a, like... Oh, yeah, looking at it like that, I agree with you. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I wasn't looking at it logically. Well, I was going to say, in that way, it's kind of creepy. There's a creepy element to this. Which is not just that she's been poisoned by her fiancé, but also, if you dig down into it, and maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but the Doctor's not always there. I think that, as you said, I think that's really, I think you made a really good point. That is, it's quite, it's deeply sinister, really, when you think about it. Yeah, the Doctor's not always around, so things have probably always gone on that have, have not hit the radar. Yeah. I agree. I mean, not as big as what's going on with the Ratnos, no. but just smaller stuff. Mm. And actually, the thing that sort of hovers over this are the spin-offs. So the Sarah Jane Adventures and the uh, Tortured Adventures, which basically say lots and lots of weird stuff happens on Earth all the yeah. time. And the Doctor doesn't even know about any of it, really. No. Just the big stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess if he did everything, he'd be worn out, wouldn't he? I mean, I suppose. But there's an element, I think, in this, though. Are aliens attracted to the Earth? Or are they attracted to the Doctor who's always on the Earth? Chicken and egg. (laughs) I knew it. Acting all innocent. I'm not the first, am I? How many women have you abducted? That's my friend. Where is she then? Popped out for a spacewalk? She's gone. Gone where? So the next thing I wanted to talk about was the fear factor of the episode. Straight out the gate, I should say that there are two, well, three things that I'm really frightened of. Spiders, killer whales and fire. So if I was ever to witness a spider riding a killer whale juggling fire, I'd die on the spot. Okay. Why does the villain of this particular piece have to be a flipping spider you uh, you said oh no not a spider no why why does it have to be a spider and it's so gross i think because it's the most common phobia and so everybody's going to be creeped out when they see it i personally like spiders but the spider was played amazingly by Sarah Parrish, who basically turned everything into balsa wood. She completely shredded every piece of scenery that she could find. And I loved that for her. I loved it too. I loved it. And actually, yes, she wasn't... She was very scary and everything like that. But actually, it was... I felt sympathy for her. You could see her point of view. I know that sounds mad, but you could, because she felt like you killed us all. Well, she was just trying to survive. Yeah, and they're my babies, and I want to keep my babies alive. And I felt really sorry when they, she saw them all drowning, and she, it was quite sad. It was. She was very sympathetic. I felt very sorry for her. I felt very sorry for her. And I understood Donna's horror at watching this happen, mm. and watching the the doctor's reaction to it how he he just didn't care no and that's the most scary thing of all i think you know it wasn't angry or vengeful it's just you made your choice 
That's it. Yeah. It's uh more of them should take up that relocation offer that he he gives them. You know, because the thing is, the doctor's not always around. So you can just, like, do your own thing when he's not there. You know? <laughs> I mean, if you're far enough from Earth, he is probably not going to come and see you again. You know? Face of Evil kind of pointed that out. You know? <laughs> I did think that the spider gave a great performance. And I enjoyed it. I did think that Spider gave great performance. I love that. Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> five out of five. The Spider gave a great performance. <laughs> I, I, although it seemed sort of... I believe that that was actually a spider. You know, I believe that that was an alien. Well, let's get into it. The reason why I think the effects stood up more with the Ragnos is because they were practical. This yeah. is, again, another hill I'm prepared to die on. Practical versus CGI. I prefer practical effects. I think if you look at things like the early Harry Potter films and other... Well, okay, the thing that stands out the most is Jurassic Park. The first Jurassic Park film, the whole sequence with the T-Rex, stands up to this day because a lot of it is practical effects. And it just does not age the way CGI does, you know? And I think that's why, really, the Ragnos is is believably scary because unlike a lot of other effects that we get in Doctor Who, which, let's be honest, are dated when they do them and just continue to date and date, is because it was practical. It's more, you can get your, you know, your fingers, not not that you want to get your fingers in there, but you can, like, touch it. It's real. And it was quite cleverly done because you had the water coming in and then you had fire and everything. And so you didn't actually see all that. Yeah. But it was it was done in such a clever way that it, it seemed so violent and devastating. It was, it was very spectacular. Yeah. Now, I would also say we had the return of the Christmas cheese and the snowman. For me, that was a little bit too much. Call back to the rose episodes the regeneration episode yeah just a bit too much for me now we're on the subject of callbacks we had i think our first ever flashback we did and and you know i hadn't remembered that was there neither did i when i saw it i was like what when did this become a telenovela yes so we got a flashback to the doctor and rose which was interesting because I mean, I think you have to say, love or hate Rose, I'm indifferent to Rose, if I'm honest. Me too. I love Billy Piper. I do. I think she did just as much as Christopher Eccleston to make the show a success. Oh, God, yeah. And I think she deserves everything. All the plaudits that you can give her. Exactly. Because without her being as good as she was, we wouldn't be talking about it today. No, not at all. However, I would say, for me, this is where the spectre of Rose hovers over the entire run of the David Tennant era. She is like Banquo at the feast. She comes up again and again and again. And for me, it means that you don't see it as much with Donna Noble, but you do get it with Martha. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The fact that Martha really doesn't get a chance to get going as a companion because whether we want to or not, we are encouraged to compare her to Rose. And because the Doctor's not in love with Martha, she's always going to be second fiddle. Mm. And it's, it's a shame, I feel, that yes, 
I think Christmas is a time for remembering. It's the time to, you know... Well, everybody does, don't they, in real life? Yeah, and he's remembering that amazing first Christmas dinner that he ever had with a family. He's remembering Rose. But the thing is, she kind of, from this point on, as I said is always there. I mean, even now, when we're on the the dawn of the 14th Doctor coming back, there's a character in it called Rose. Rose is going to, even if Billy Piper doesn't appear, whenever you see the 10th Doctor, or as they now are, the 14th Doctor, Rose is there. And it kind of started here Mm. with this episode. This is kind of the beginnings of that obsession What do you think the motivation for that was? Well, I think some of it is Russell T. Davis because I think until Donna Noble, Rose was his companion full time, I think. Mm. I think then Donna Noble came along Mm. and I actually think it is Donna Noble now. Mm. Yeah, definitely. But I think you, you get it again with Stephen Moffat to some extent with Clara. Yeah. I think she is his companion full time. Mm. And the fact that he couldn't let her go. No, he couldn't. Um, yeah, it is interesting because I don't think in the Chibnall era we really had that. I suppose that you could say Yasmin Khan is that. They were pretty much invisible though, weren't they? They were just like cushions on the sofa. Yeah, I would agree. They were very understaffed cushions. Very much. But it will be interesting to see where Ruby fits into this, you know. And it will also be interesting to see whether... The shooty Gatwa doctor is also going to be just as obsessed with Rose. I spent Christmas Day just over there, the Palace Day, with his family. My friends have this family. Well, they were. Still. Gone now. Your friend. Who was she? question is, what did camouflage robot mercenaries want with you? And how did you get inside the TARDIS? I don't know. What's your job? I'm a secretary. Weird. I mean, you're not special. You're not powerful. You're not connected. You're not clever. You're not important. This friend of yours, just before she left, did she punch you in the face? Stop bleeping me! I do think that when you said there at the end about um, when the spaceship, the web ship was being blown to pieces on the orders of Saxon. When I were going to get into this, because I wanted to talk about a couple of things now. So first of all, I wanted a moment of silence for the 10th Doctor's hair, because I oh, was shocked dear. to see how flat it was. It was. That was, was not the cockerel we had grown used to. It got flat with depression. You think it had gone flat? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh no, I can't say that. We can't say that. It'll be just someone will think it's something else. No. <laughs> I have to I'm gonna keep that need. in. I have to keep that in. Okay. But yeah, I was so surprised to see his hair so flat. Because we're used to it being in the quiff. Mm. And it was really interesting to see that early styling choices because this is super early for the 10th Doctor. You know, it's only one series under the belt. And yeah, he's he's evolving, people. (laughs) Oh, I've got to say, there was one bit in the the beginning when she's in the taxi and she's being chased by the TARDIS to be rescued. And those two little children. 
I thought that was a really clever touch. That was, and a, I loved it. It was a nice uh, how to do a chase scene. It was because often chase scenes are quite dull, but it was it was really nice. And you're right, you had that sort of silent commentary from the kids. Yeah, I love that as I well. I do too. Yeah, and that kind of set that... the tone, didn't it, for a lot of 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 sequences throughout the episode. We get that in the Russell T. Davis era, I think. We mm. get a lot of we get a lot of moments like that that make it feel as if it's big. You know, people are witnessing this and you know, whereas we don't get it so much in the Moffat era, we don't get it in the Chibnall era. Now, I also wanna say about Donna's dress. Lovely dress. Lovely dress. I think it stands up to this day. Well it was classic. It was a classic clean line dress with some really nice embellishments. Yeah, that seeded, I think it was seeded beads, wasn't it? Was it was lovely. Yeah. No, Donna looked... Um, and it's, it had a nice cleavage because she's got quite a nice decolletage. Donna looked a million dollars. She did. I have to say. However, you can get pockets in wedding dresses because I've had friends who had wedding dresses that had pockets in them. And a lot of people do love a pocket in a wedding dress. Donna is wrong. She's incorrect. She's incorrect. <laughs> you need somewhere for your tissues. I also want to say, well, I love this, because the first thing you said was how expensive the wedding actually looked. It did, though. It did look expensive until you got to the bit where, you know, they sort of, they had like, um... Draped pillars? No. Well, the pillars were draped, that's correct, but they had these, like, lanterns being held down by what I can only say is the beaded curtain that I had in my bedroom <laughs> when I <laughs> when I was, like, 14. You know, it was those, those really, really cheap beads, and I thought, wow, so you've done all of this, and yet... No. No. The class, it's just not there. No. <laughs> You've ruined it for me. I do want to say, though, I found the responses of Donna's family quite incoherent. You and know. concerning. Well, first of all, you see someone being transported, like literally disappearing before your eyes, flying up into the ceiling, and you're thinking, oh, it's another one of her tricks. I mean, what is she, David Blaine? Magic... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Head of the magic <laughs> circle. That is a really old reference for a magician. <laughs> and why would you want to do that on your wedding when you're walking up the aisle? Why aren't who in there who would do that? Who would do who would do that? You might do it at the reception. Well, you, we it, all do it at the reception. But, but let's face it, no one's gonna do it walking up the aisle. No. They're, they're just like, oh, she's such a pain. I think it tells you a lot about why Donna is the way she is from the reactions of the people around her. Mm. You know? But I also think there's that moment where Donna actually shows what a badass she is. Because everybody's approaching her with all these questions like, Where have you been? What's going on? Why have you left me at the altar? And she cries. Yeah. Genius. And you know that the doctor's looking at her thinking, my God, what a card to play. Consummate actress. And I'm just going to say this. Why did we not see more of this from the 13th Doctor? This could have been a tool that she used having learned it from Donna Noble. From the best. When she got in a, in a moment where she could not get out of the situation, she cried. And then she could have turned around to Yaz and been like, I learned that from Donna Noble. Yeah, I would People have. People are going to say we're, 
we're misogynists, Matt. Why would they say we're misogynists? I don't know. It's literally Donna is working the misogyny against the misogynists. Well, that's very true. You know, she's literally using her female superpower against everybody. Tears or periods. Tears or periods, exactly. Everyone backs out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in my wedding dress. It doesn't have pockets. Who has pockets? Have you ever seen a bride with pockets? When I went to my fitting at Shares Allison, the one thing I forgot to say was give me pockets! This episode does a good job And to be honest, it's not as heavy-handed as a lot of the other episodes that do the same sort of thing. But this does a good job of setting up two things. Firstly, Torchwood. Because although we saw Torchwood with Rose, we know that Torchwood's coming back. And they kind of establish that it is coming back in this and that it's not a good organisation, okay? And secondly, we have that first on the orders of Harold Saxon, Mm. which is going to be pivotal for the series three finale yeah i love this because the reason why i kind of love this writing from russell t davis is that none of it feels accidental no it's all threaded together yeah everything is leading to something else and none of it is not important to the plot which i think is i mean we both like mysteries i've written a cozy crime and the thing that you When you like murder mysteries or anything like that, no details that are not going to lead you on somewhere. And I think Russell T. Davis, if he ever wanted to turn his hand to writing mysteries or doing... genius. It would be such good work. I completely agree. And I just love the fact that he has seeded in those plot points, which will become important later on. But the thing is, when you are first watching this fugged out on food, Mm. you do not pay attention to that. It's only later on when, and then you're like, oh, wow, okay, so it was that far back that this has been important. I'm excited for the return. You know I'm tenuous about it as well, Mm. but I'm also excited because we haven't seen this level of writing in a long time. It had, this episode had, I think, pretty much everything you want. It had, it was exciting, it was funny, it was quite sad, and it was just pure Doctor Who. I agree. I agree. And it was a great way to meet a new companion. Yeah. As well. Yeah, it wasn't clunky at all, was it? No, it wasn't. So as we wind up this little conversation, we have been listening a lot recently, haven't we? Yeah. To My Dad Wrote a Porno. We have. And the whole situation with Lance and H.H. Clements and, <laughs> and Donna kind of felt like... It was a Rocky Flintstone moment. It was, yeah. (laughs) Even down to the spats. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And the tunnels that went to the... The The tunnels that went under the Thames to the barrier. They drained the Thames into the core of the earth. When you consider that logically... There would be a lot of steam. And would there be enough water from the Thames to make the core of the earth stop working? No. Also, if the core of the earth is that ship, what does that mean? Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Okay, I won't think about it. 101 of Doctor Who. Never think about these things because if you do, you'll only think to yourself, why am I watching this? (laughs) Just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the moment. Don't (laughs) Don't start a podcast 
Don't start a blog. Don't think too deeply. <laughs> it's called science fiction. There we are. Yeah, another episode successfully done. What would you rate this episode? Oh, I'd give it a nine and a half. I would give it, because of the no pockets in the wedding dress, it's an eight for me. Okay. Because, be practical, Donna. What about your lip balm and your tissues? Yeah. Be real. So, with that, I just want to say thank you for joining me for another special. I know you absolutely love these. I do. <laughs> And it's lovely to have you on each time. And I know that the listeners absolutely love hearing you and me chat. In our mouths. <laughs> hey little sister, who's your superman? Hey little sister, who's the one you want? Hey little sister, shotgun. It's a nice day to start again. It's a nice day.